Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. Well, we've been uh, ministering uh, the last several weeks. The Lord's told me that, that uh, we are to uh, prepare for the days that we are living in, but also in the days that are coming. And so we've been ministering in the area of prayer. How many of you know prayer is important? And, uh, you know, a lot of times people think of prayer just being something where you would uh, ask God for things, you know. But we find through the Word of God that prayer is so, so much more. It's about worship. It's about uh, praise, which we've had an opportunity to pray this morning by worshiping God, about how great God is, praising Him for being our, our everything, whether it's our healer, our provider, our, our all in all, our buckler, our defense, you know, whatever it may be. It's an opportunity where we can acknowledge God's will for our lives. It's a time where we can uh, just acknowledge the kingdom of God. And we saw the model prayer there that Jesus gave the disciples in uh, Luke chapter 11 when they came to him. In verse 2, it says that they had came to him and asked him to teach them to pray uh, you know, because John the Baptist had taught his disciples to pray, and so he went ahead and did so, and it says, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Holy is your name. And so we go through that, and we came to a place in the Scripture, where we'll just read it, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us this day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And in that little bit of, of in that one couple of uh, verses there, we can see that there was about ten different ways to pray of what prayer really is. And uh, one of what we've been talking about mostly is because when people think of prayer, they usually think about receiving because that's the way we were raised, and a lot of prayer is, you know, we're to ask, and God doesn't hold it back. He's not looking for a loophole not to bless you. He's looking for ways to get it to you, you know, and it's all about positioning ourselves to where we can receive from God. And so one of the biggest hindrances that I've seen in people receiving what God has made available to us is in the fact that they're not positioning themselves properly to receive. I mean, if you know that may sound like, well, that's not real hard. You just, you just speak it forth. Well, no, You're, you make your request known to God, but you have to position yourself in receiving. Receiving is more than just asking. You know, and so we, we went over that a little bit, and we're going to continue with that, and that's what we've been doing the last several weeks because it says here, and lead us not into temptation. God's not one who leads us into temptation. Matter of fact, in James we find in the scriptures that it says, let no man say that when he is tempted that he's been tempted of God. God doesn't tempt us. And so we, we can see that when he says, and lead us not into temptation, that he's not saying, it's not implying that the heavenly father is going to try to lead you into some temptation. That's not what he's doing. And so uh, we went over that a little bit, and we went over the fact that in Luke, uh, 11, verse 9 through 12, he says, he says, and I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. 
Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh does what? He receives. Everyone that asketh receives. And he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. And he goes on and he says, If a son shall ask bread of, his, uh, of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, would you give him a serpent? Or if he asked for an egg, would you offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? See, there's a, a picture here that we should be able to see in our mind that God is saying, if you asked, I've got it available. So it's available so much in advance that you can receive it right then. It's kind of like going into a bakery and you're looking at the display case there at Krispy Kreme and you see those uh, raspberry filled donuts that you want and you're looking at it and you say, I would like to have some of those raspberry donuts. And they wouldn't say, well, we don't have any. Because you're looking at them. They're right there in the display case. They would reach there. They'd pull them out and then give them to you and you would receive them. Why? Because it was already there. What, they had, what you had need of was there. But how many times have you gone into a store before and, and you didn't find what you were looking for and you left because you didn't see it? But then you find out that they had it all along. And if you'd have asked them, they would have went in the back and got it and brought it out and it was your size. How about that? Well, see, you didn't ask, and so you didn't receive, yet they had it. And uh, so, you know, there's a, there's a, with, when it comes to God, everything that you ever have need of is already there, and it fits, okay? And it's good, it's the best, okay? And he has it available for us. And so we've, we've been ministering on the fact of, of the fact that we need to be positioning ourselves to receive what he's already provided. Now, if he had no intentions of giving it to you or getting it to you, why would he even bother to make it to start with? So we have to get this old thinking out of our mind that if we ask God for something, he's going to say, no, you're not going to get that. I'm gonna, I've saved that for Bill Hill. Bill's in desperate need of it, and you're not, so I'm going to give it to him. You know, it doesn't work that way. God's got plenty. Amen? And so we've been ministering on the fact of the, that that. The position that you are coming to the Lord needs to be that of receiving, not begging, not hoping, not wishing, maybe will, maybe won't, but coming with an attitude to receive. Already knowing that he's not going to have to go in the back and make it. He's not going to have to try to whip up something. And, and while, you know, I can tell you right now, you're never going to go to the Father and ask him something. he said, you know, you just caught me off guard, Amanda. He's not going to do that. I just wasn't expecting that, Bill Horn. If I'd have known you was coming, I would have done. No, God knows that you're coming. And he already made it available. And we have to get this in our thinking at all times. Because the devil will lie to you. How many of you know that's for a fact? He'll tell you, no, well... God's got something, but it's not for you. It's for the preacher. It's not for you. He'll, he'll tell you all kind of things. So we've gone over these things. And, and notice here he says, If you be an evil, how much more shall your heavenly Father, which is good, give you good gifts? 
if you if you would be that way towards your children wouldn't god be that way towards you you being his children so he's establishing the fact that i'm not trying to keep anything back from you but there are some things when we look into the word of god that we're to see and recognize and it's about how we approach the father do we come to the father in prayer with the with the response being yes his response being yes i will or do we come to him in fear like Mephibosheth did uh, when he approached David? Because Mephibosheth, when he approached David, when David, David summoned him from Lodabar, came with a mentality that David was going to kill him. And a lot of times we approach God, if you don't spend time with him, that when you get there, God's going to say, oh, I've been waiting on you to show up. Let me show you all the things you've been doing wrong. Let me show you all these thoughts that you think nobody knows about, but I know about them. And so we have this tendency to think and be fearful to come to God. But if you spend a lot of time with the Lord, and you know what his word says, and you're, and you're habitually uh, communing with God, then you're excited about coming to be with the Father. But if you're not, the devil will say, well, you know, if you'd have uh, been praying more, he might just answer your prayers. But you haven't been a good boy. And you know what? You should have changed the channel the other night when you was watching that movie, but you didn't do it. He'll always be the accuser of the brethren, telling you that you're not worthy, that you didn't work and earn what's been freely given. Huh? You hadn't earned it. Can you earn your salvation? But you freely received it, didn't you? That's the greatest miracle that ever happened. And if God would freely give us his son Jesus freely give us salvation freely say that since we are in Christ and seated in heavenly places I mean he's given it to us we're there we're down here right now living on this earth and it's kind of like it was with Candace this past week she went to the zoo is Candace in here this morning she was in the nursery early okay well, anyway, if you haven't heard, it's on Facebook. But she went to the zoo this week. And it was Addie's birthday, and they had little field trips. They go to the zoo, and, you know, uh, one of the things at the zoo is they have that little uh, sky lift thing that goes across the zoo, and you can get up in it and ride and get a bird's-eye view of the, of the place. And it takes you over the top of the giraffes and elephants and, and the lions and all those type things. And, and she was going with Addie and a friend, and they were going down through there. Uh, right above this one particular place, it stopped. And it didn't go anymore. And so she suspended between heaven and earth, about 60 feet up in the air. And, you know, she's like looking around, and it's like, okay, well, it'll get going again in just a minute, but it didn't. And, of course, when you've got a little one there, and they're, swinging their feet and doing all kind of stuff. And Mama, why can't we not going? You know, we're not going. And it's hot. I'm thirsty. And, all, you know, after a while, you're just kind of like, well, when are we going? So she did what most women would do. She pulled out her cell phone. And so she called them and let them know that it wasn't moving like they didn't know. The switchboard down there was probably just all messed up because everybody was calling. It was on it. But nevertheless, there she was hanging in the air with children. Now, I know what my mother would have thought. Don't you dare kick your shoes off down there. 
Don't be spitting or don't be doing this or don't be doing that. Because below them were cheetahs, big ones. And they're circling around down below. And she's like, this is not good. If we fall from here, we're dead. If the drop doesn't kill us, they will. And then she's gotten to looking off to the sides, noticing the trees. Well, can they climb trees? Can cats climb a tree? Why, sure they can. So now it's like, how is he going to figure out how to come and eat us for lunch? That was going on in her mind, not to mention her skin is, is, is fair, and, and so it's like, it's hot. I'm going to be sunburned up here. There's, I don't have sunscreen. I wasn't planning on laying in the sun up here or getting this close to the sun. I don't have any water. All of this is going on, you know. And the people said, we're going to send somebody to rescue you. Isn't that, isn't that comforting? Rescue. I don't know what would come through your mind, but would it be the fire department going to pull in down there with an extension ladder? I mean, how are, they, how are they going to do this rescue? Why don't they just fix the problem? Get it cranked, moving again, you know? But nevertheless, all these things are running through her mind. Now, you and I know that what we should do is like, you know, it's just going to pass. Everything's going to be fine. What's the worst that could happen? No, we're not going there. But what, you know, what's the best that's going to happen, right? Because she was already thinking about what the worst was going to happen, that she was going to be kitty food. And, uh, you know, but there she is up there, and, and probably mama, 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 mama wasn't helping anything, you know. But, now, you know, this is kind of funny. Uh, you know, I, was, I saw that, and I just started laughing. I thought, yep, buddy, you know. But that's a lot of times how we feel in our walk with God. That we're just suspended between two places. The, the, Satan's down here as a roaring lion, just looking for somebody to devour. And now we're stuck right above him, and, and he's just going to keep jumping or climbing a tree to figure out a way to get to you to devour you. But wouldn't it be just as good to know that in Hebrews chapter 13, he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Let the big bad cat come on up here. I'll show him who's boss. Did I not tell you that I'm your helper? That you need to come boldly to the throne of grace? That I'm your helper? Just so that you can boldly say that I'm your helper? But see, we want to look at the God's way out there, and the devil's a lot closer than he needs to be. When the truth is, is he's right inside of us. We have nothing to fear at all. See, I understand that my assignment last week was to tell you what the Lord said to me, and, and that was a simple little thing that, that we have not seen as a nation our last war. may not be the type of warfare that we have seen in years gone by, because how many of you know that warfare changes? At one time, they just lined each other up on, over here and lined them up over here, and they shot at each other. And we changed all that in American history. We hid behind trees. We were smart. They weren't. We won. They lost. But it, warfare has evolved, you know, and in, even in, 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 uh, with chemical weapons and all different kinds of things, psychological warfare, all kinds of things have changed. 
So I'm not real sure how. There's even cyber warfare, right? And so there's lots of different ways that warfare will happen. But uh, we're not, we haven't seen our last war. Neither have we seen our last economic disaster. Neither have we seen our last civil unrest in our country. And the Lord says, we haven't seen our last pandemic. There'll be more. I mean, even the Bible tells us that, right? It's what it says in the last days, these things will happen. And so we're there. And so don't take it and be fearful of these things. Just understand prayer. Understand communion with the Holy Ghost on a daily basis so that we can be at rest and we can be at peace no matter how chaotic this world is. And you say, well, that's real easy to say, and we should all know that. But what are we doing about positioning ourselves to a place where we can be at peace? Hanging 60 feet in the air, in the sun, thirsty, above a bunch of cheetahs. You follow what I'm saying? We need to be at peace. We need to be at rest in the fact that, you know, God's got this. It's no big deal. But that doesn't happen just because you know a Bible story. It happens because you have communion with Holy Spirit. You're spending time with him. You know he's right there. He's got you back. How is it that Paul knew that he was going to go and the ship was going to wreck, yet he stayed on the ship? He said, you know, we're going to wreck. You shouldn't set sail. But then even after he set sail and had to throw all the cargo over, and the ship did wreck. And they all had to grab a piece of wood and float to shore. Paul didn't stand up and say, I told you so. No, he went around picking up scrap wood and driftwood and all that and built a fire for all these people to warm themselves and be comfortable. In other words, he served them. And that's what the Lord wants us to be. He wants us to, even though we know what the event's going to be and what the outcome's going to be, he wants us not to say, I told you so, but here, let me serve you. And they'll be willing to listen. And in the midst of all of it, how many of you know that the people that listened the most were those barbarians that were out there when they saw the serpent attach itself to Paul's hand and he didn't die? Why? Why didn't he die? Because greater is he that's in him than he that's in the world. What was Paul's attitude? He could forget trying to find first aid. There was no hospital, no ambulances, whatever. He stood upon the word of God. He knew his Lord. He knew he had a destination to be at Rome. And so he just took what was to kill him and shook it off into the fire. And it says they all stood back and waited and watched to see when he was going to drop dead. And when he didn't, the people that didn't know God, these barbarians, started worshiping Paul. And he said, what are you doing? I'm not to be worshipped. Let me tell you about my Jesus. And that's what God wants out of our lives. Not to act like the world. Be in the world and serve them from a position of sonship of Christ. Amen? And so uh, we went on through the scriptures in, in Matthew 21, 22. It says, in all things, whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. How many of you believe the word of God? Everybody in here believes the word of God. And if we stand in believing, we will receive. And even in, in, uh, in Mark's gospel, and we'll maybe go there at another time, but I think it's in uh, Mark eleven twenty two. 22, 
It says, have faith in God or have the faith of God. And he was talking about the mountain. It says, and when you pray, believe that you received. And it'll happen. See, our position when we pray and speak it forth should be from a position of not only am I going to speak it, but I'm going to receive it all in the same right then, instantly. Now, it may not manifest right then. But you received it right then. If not, why bother to even pray? Because it's not a game. How about doing this for me right now, though? Let's turn over to, well, Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. There's a story in uh, Luke's Gospel, that in chapter 10, that would do us good to take a good look at. And... Uh, I'm there, I'm just having to move some things around a little bit. And it's a story there in Luke 10, and we'll start in verse uh, 38. And it's about Mary and Martha and so forth. And it says, now it came to pass as they, that'd be Jesus and the disciples, they went, and when they had entered into a certain village, being Bethany, not too far from Jerusalem, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. Now, Martha was, had a sister named Mary and a brother named Lazarus. And she received him into her house. In other words, she bumped into him, probably at town, told him, says, listen, uh, why, why don't y'all come over to dinner? So Martha now has invited Jesus and his 12 disciples to come to the house for dinner. Now, we know that at that point, there will be at least 16 people coming home for dinner. That'd be Mary and Martha and Lazarus and these Jesus and the 12 disciples. So we got 16 coming for dinner. So Martha now is running, probably trying to make sure we got enough food for all everybody. And uh, since they're going to eat dinner, they're going to probably just need to spend the night there. So we need to make sure that we got accommodations for 16 people. In verse 39, it says, and she had a sister called Mary which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about with much serving and came to him and said, Lord, doest thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Now, here it is, Martha invited Jesus and all of them over to the house to have dinner. And she expected Mary to help her. She didn't ask Mary. She just assumed that she would. But Mary decided that she was going to sit there and as Jesus was ministering uh, to the disciples, doing teaching or whatever, you know, talking to them about things uh, uh, of the Word of God. I mean, they weren't having a staff meeting, and, and Mary was just there interrupting. She was sitting there listening intently <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> to what Jesus was saying. Now, she chose to do that. You see that. She chose to sit at his feet instead of choosing to get up and go into the kitchen and help make sandwiches. And so Martha got all bent out of shape over this, and she says, 
you know, this isn't right. Make her get up and help me. But it says here that Mary was seated and, and heard the words of Jesus. How many of you know you can come to church and hear? Or maybe I should say listen but not hear anything. How many of you know that there was probably some disciples that was in that sitting right there with him also? Maybe they didn't hear anything either. I assume that Judas probably didn't hear everything. Maybe Peter didn't hear it. Maybe they missed the memo or whatever or, or didn't hear what was really being said. But yet Jesus was saying it. But it's not, uh, I, I think that the Lord wants us to, to recognize that she made this choice. And Martha, who was in, uh, cumbered about, she was uh, not very a happy camper over this situation, says that she was distracted with care. She was distracted. She was troubled. Trying to figure out how am I going to do everything I'm doing. And she said to Jesus, don't you care? Now, of all the people to say that to, she should have said that to Mary. She could have said that to Lazarus. She could have said it to about anybody, but to tell Jesus or to say to Jesus, don't you care? Uh, that was out of frustration. And she's trying to get Jesus to tell Mary, get up and go help your sister. And she was so upset that she had to be called her name two times. Now, growing up, I knew that when my parents stepped out and they called my name, Alan, that I'm to respond. And if I had to come back out there and say it again, I better be making way because on the third time, guess what? It wasn't Alan come home. It was Terry Allen Cope. I mean, all, I mean, it was over then. It was too late. You're in trouble now. Shouldn't have been three times. And we didn't have cell phones, so the, the you know, your parents back then, they just screamed out over the whole neighborhood. Anybody know what, remember that? Now it's too embarrassed. We'd never do that, right? But uh, back then, that's what they did. The whole neighborhood knew that you was in trouble. Neighbors would call over and say, do you want me to hold him while you spank him? said, Martha, Martha, settle down. Calm down. I had to call her twice. Settle down. Thou art careful. You're anxious. You're full of anxiety. And you're troubled. You're distracted about by many things. You're distracted with the fact that, that you know, there's 16 of us here. You're trying to make dinner. You're doing all these things. You're trying to make sleeping arrangements. And you're doing all this. And you're just distracted. How many of you know sometimes we come to church distracted? Huh? Yeah. We come to church distracted. I don't know what that sound was on the car as we were pulling in. I, I heard a clicking sound. I'm not sure what it is. And so you're sitting there trying to figure out what it could be. When's the last time you had the oil changed? And the preacher's up there ministering the word. Well, you're distracted about something that you heard or read or somebody bumped into you and said, well, did you hear the latest? Right during the little break there. And now when the word's coming forth, you're, you're distracted. But you can imagine, Martha, I mean, my goodness, you know she's distracted. Coming to church distracted or being distracted in church is not really that bad. Okay? Staying distracted is what's bad. Recognizing the fact that you're distracted is really not bad. That's good. So 
we need to understand that we will have distractions. We will have temptations. We may be stranded up in a, in a sky lift, okay? But we don't have to be distracted by it. Just stay focused on what we're doing. And you know what? It's our choice. Martha made a choice to be distracted. She could have been sitting in there with Mary, but she made a choice. She made a choice. You may have to shake yourself ten times, but it's better to shake yourself ten times than miss out what God's saying eleven times. Are you hearing me? I remember a fellow used to get up during the service and he'd go stand in the back. And he did it all the time. I didn't say nothing about it. And one day he came to me and said, I just want you to know that I, I, I'm getting up and going to the back. He said, I guess you might have noticed I, I start dozing off at church. And I said, yeah, I noticed. He says, but I found that if I get up and go stand in the back, I don't go to sleep standing up. I'm like, well, that's because you hadn't had some of these jobs that I've had before. You know, but uh, he knew that that's one way he would stay awake. He, he, he knew that he was getting distracted and he'd close those eyes. And when he blinked, they'd stay shut for a while. You know, <clears throat> I know others who, whose husbands would come up after the service and ask me if they could pray for my ribs. Because they sat next to their wives. And when they went to dozing off, they, they'd get poked. But I want you to see something here. Okay, and this is what the Lord's saying to us. Mary was receiving what Jesus was presenting. But Martha was not. And it wasn't that Martha wasn't welcome to receive it. Martha chose not to receive it. Are you getting it? And we have to understand sometimes, just because we're in the same place, as other people receiving doesn't mean that you're receiving. You could be distracted with all kind of things. And the Lord's saying, we need to recognize this type of thinking. That just because we're lo our location is right, doesn't mean our mind is right. And that we have to stop and tell our minds, wake up, do what's right. You see, you are a spirit being, and you have a soul, which is your mind, your will, and emotion. So you just have to tell your soul from a position of being a spirit being, a son of the Most High God, to settle down and shut up. Get in line, just as you would your flesh if it desired to do something that it didn't need to do. And it doesn't matter, because, see, we deceive ourselves sometimes thinking that we're going to receive something automatically because, you know, we're, we're, we're part of the family. Being part of the family is, is the start. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to receive everything. You know, and as spirit-filled believers, we're, we're those that, especially in, in a church like this, we believe what the Word says. I mean, I asked you when I came up, how many of you are believers? Everybody raised their hand. You're believers. You believe the Word of God. I could ask you a, a particular a question about where would you find this particular scripture some of y'all be saying that'd be john 17 or or the, you know that's in jeremiah or whatever it may be and you'll be calling it out and that's great but do you know what that means that's the knowledge of god but do you have the wisdom that goes with it now go ahead and turn with me over to james the book of james we'll pick back up where we were last week james chapter one And we'll start in verse 2. 
I do appreciate our guy in the, in the sound booth, don't y'all? says, my brethren, count it all joy. How much of it should we count joy? All of it. How many of you know that most of the time we just count the end? Huh? But he says, count it all joy. All of it. When you fall into diverse temptation or different temptations, count it all joy. Well, how in the world are you going to count it all joy? Because you know the outcome. If you knew the outcome, you count it all joy. Because, see, when you fall into diverse temptation, whatever the temptation is, if you knew the outcome of that temptation, no, not going to happen. Word says this, that's what I'm standing on. You can count it joyful, right? Candace said that uh, being suspended in the air when they got down there, he says, here's a bottle of water. She said, how about giving me a refund? He said, well, we can do that. She said, better than that. These little youngins here, uh, how about one of them stuffed animals up there? Guess what they chose? Cheetahs. <laughs> I said, that's a good choice. If they'd have known the whole time they were up there that they were going to get a bottle of water and a refund and some cheetahs, how I many of you know it had been a good time? It had been all joy then, right? Huh? Yeah. Because you knew you were going to come down. So count it all joy when you fall into different temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith or the proving of your faith worketh patience. It worketh patience. The word patience means cheerful endurance. It doesn't mean that you just endured whatever you were going through. Cheerful endurance. How can you be cheerful? Because you know the outcome. You know the outcome. That's the whole thing. You already know, and it says, but let the cheerful endurance have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Because it's a temptation, it means that there's a desire there, and you don't really know for sure that if it's going to come to pass or not, and so it's a temptation. If you knew the outcome, it wouldn't be a temptation at all, would it? But you lacked the outcome, the knowledge of the outcome, or how God was going to do it or, or what was going to take place. And so because of that, you were wanting. But he says, but let cheerful endurance have her complete work that you may be complete and entire, wanting nothing. In other words, you will know from now on out the outcome, the situation, how God does it. How many times does the tree have to be planted in, before you uh, of, of, you know, do I choose to take of the fruit of the tree of the good and evil or do I choose the tree of life? How many times are you going to have to make the decision, which one do I go to today? Or which one do I go to this hour? Do I choose the tree of life or do I choose the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil? How many times do we have, does that tree have to keep popping up before you realize, you know what, the tree of life is the answer, not the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But yet it keeps popping up. And he says here, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and, he, <clears throat> and it shall be given him. He said, ask, and it will be given. In other words, you ask, knowing that you receive what? The wisdom. He's going to give you the wisdom. The wisdom of how he's going to do, how to go about doing whatever you have need of in doing so. It says, let him ask of God that giveth to all men. Now, God is interested in everything you're interested in. And it may seem like a little 
crazy thing to you, but if, it's interest, if, if your heart is being overwhelmed with something and it concerns you, it concerns him. He'll stop the entire universe to have a conversation with you if necessary because you mean that much to him. And we have to take that personally. Well, I know he would do that for, for brother so-and-so, but he wouldn't do that for me. Oh, yes, he would. Yes, he would. Because you mean that much. And we've got to get that down inside of us that, yes, we had a past. Everybody's got a past. Yes, we may not be the, the best of whatever, but we're his child. And if we ask a question, we say, Daddy, he's not going to say, go leave me alone. I'm trying to keep Saturn in its place. He sets us down. Puts the whole thing on hold. He says, and he won't hold it against you because you didn't know. People may make fun of you and laugh at you because you didn't know, but God never will. He'll take all the time he needs to explain it to you so you can have it. But verse 6 is where I want you to focus today. It says, but let him ask in faith. Nothing wavering. Let him ask in faith. Last week we went over that about the fact that when you ask in faith, nothing wavering. It says, for, that, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man, which man? The man that is tossed back and forth like the waves of the sea, think that he'll receive anything from the Lord. Don't let the man think that he's going to receive anything of the Lord if he's wavering. Hmm. He goes on and he says, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Let him ask in faith. Faith is the power of heaven or the language of heaven. There's no doubt spoken in heaven. And we need to understand, you know, a lot of times we, we use the term doubt and unbelief together when they're really not the same thing. Last week I made mention that faith would be hot, unbelief would be cold, and doubt is lukewarm. And doubt wavers, it vacillates from hot to cold, cold to hot, back and forth. It's always moving based upon what it's hearing, based on a, the time of day, based on whatever it may be, it's always moving around. And we've got to recognize whether we're praying in faith or we're praying in temptation. Because your doubting is temptation. Doubting that God has meant what he said, is he going to do what he said. And sometimes we hear things and we come to the Lord in temptation when we should be bringing it to him and saying, Lord, this is what the report is, but I'm sticking with what you say. Now explain to me why I'm having to deal with this. There's something going on inside of me. Why is it that I'm having to deal with this, this doubt? Instead of listening to the devil and living in doubt, take it to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, reveal to me why I'm having to deal with this. Why am I having trouble with this? What is it in my life? Where have you ever let me down? What's going on here? You know what you'll leave out of? You'll leave back full of faith. But if you keep wrestling with that, that, that doubt, you're in trouble, and you will be until you get out of it. And so doubt resides between faith and unbelief, and faith has its mind made up where doubt 
I mean, unbelief does too. Unbelief has its mind made up. Don't believe. But doubt just kind of like vacillates back and forth, back and forth. And doubt is a product of sight. And how many of you know we don't live by sight? Doubt is a, uh, is a product of sight, but faith is the opposite of that. We live by the word. We live by faith, not by sight. So, when we're being tempted to believe a lie, take it to the Holy Ghost. Say, Holy Spirit, show this to me. I want to understand this. And he's talking about the, the doubt being like the waves of the sea. How, I was out cleaning the pool yesterday, doing some work around it. And in my mind, I saw all the kids in there. How many of you know when you've got a swimming pool and you've got a bunch of boys, they're going to have a wave party. They're going to do cannonballs in it so much that waves are going to come up high and it's going to splash everywhere and it's just un it's unstable everywhere in the whole pool. And that's what I picture in my mind. I saw that it says here that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And I saw that the waves being moved and and new ways being created because of the splashes and more things keep happening and more keep happening in different places and it's just everywhere, just waves everywhere and it's unstable. And he says, let not that man, that man that's what? That man that is doubting, the man that doesn't see the word for what it is, let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. It says, when you come to the Lord, believe that you receive. Did he not? So if you came to the Lord and you doubted whether you're going to receive, you're not going to get it. He said, don't even think that you're going to get it. You didn't receive it. You could have received it. It was available. It wasn't that he was, there was a shortage. You just didn't partake of it. But you could have. And I believe every one of us has been guilty of that at times in our lives. Isn't that true? And we probably still have to deal with it. But you need to recognize it. You need to say, you know what? It's not that God hadn't done his part. I haven't done my part. This morning I was walking around praying, and, and the Lord reminded me of, of when I used to go down to the, to the prison and uh, minister down there on Friday nights. And I did so for quite some time. And I remember going in there the, the very first time. And you're standing in there with a room full of prisoners. It's, and none of them are guilty of anything. If you, ever, if you know what I'm talking about, Sandy will tell you. They're all innocent. They've been framed. And I'd said that to them. And they laughed. They thought it was funny because they know that that's the way they do. You know, it's just an inside joke. Seriously. No pun intended. It's an inside joke. And, uh, and I told them that. I said, you know, the Bible says... Four times that the just shall live by faith. I said, if you've received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, you are the just. That's what the Bible says. Isn't that right? If you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're the just now. And it says you shall live by faith. It said the just shall live by faith. And what do we have faith in? We have faith in Jesus. We have faith in, in God, right? And the word of God is what? Is Jesus. Jesus was made flesh and dwelt among us. So we believe in the Bible, God's holy word. So there's nothing wrong with you being just. There's nothing wrong with having faith. And in, in what do we have faith in? God's word. So those two are established. But it's the part that's in the middle there. It says the just shall what? Live. We don't know how to live. 
play up, guys. And they just looked at me and thought, huh. I said, we don't know how to live according to God's word. That's why we're having trouble. And I said, my job is to get you to start learning to live by God's word while you're here so you don't end up back here again in about six months. How many of you know that's a good word for the church? Because sometimes we go through the same old dumb old things over and over and over because we don't know how to live when we're faced with certain conditions. A pandemic. Fear. Shortages. Civil unrest. Rumors of wars. And if we don't know how to live during all of that, Guess what's going to happen? The same thing happened the last time you were going through it. And the time before that. And the time before that. But if we'll learn how to live according to God's word, we'll be okay. We can be at peace. Knowing he hasn't left me. He's right here with me. I can come boldly to the throne room of grace. He's made it available. I can receive when I show up because it's already been made available. I don't have to hope and wish anymore. I'm just in a position of receiving what he's made available to me. I am a child of God. I, am a, I have a covenant with God. I don't approach him with a Mephibosheth. He might kill me. I approach him from a position that I'm a seed of Abraham. I'm the seed of Christ. And all the promises come with it. Isn't that good stuff? He says, let not the man... A double-minded man. A double-minded man. Mm. The Amplifier says, a man with two minds. You know, we lock people up like that. Or the government, well, I don't know if they do now or not. They used to. A double-minded man. A man with two minds. How many of you know a double-minded man is under the authority of his emotions? Hmm? A double-minded man is under the authority of his flesh. Or his emotions. He knows what the word says, but yet the authority of his body, the authority of his soul, supersedes what he knows of what God's word says. Whether it be pride or arrogance, rejection or shame, could be insecurities, ultimately confusion will take control of all of his thoughts. A double-minded man. This man looks at the word of God, then he listens to his own thoughts and feelings then acts on them instead of what God's word says. Why? Because he hasn't spent any time with Holy Spirit. Well, I know that's what the word says, but. Yeah, I know that's what God said, but. Yeah, I know that was what Abraham did, but. I know that's what Uncle so-and-so did, but. In other words, it's good for everybody but me. Oh, that's a lot of pride right there. So Jesus' blood was good for everybody, but it's not strong enough for you. What Jesus did wasn't enough for you because you were real bad. You need an extra dose. You need him to go back to the cross again just for you because you were that bad. I mean, come on. Let's wake up. This man is schizophrenic. He's got two different personalities. One minute he's... Oh, yes, that's what the Word says. And the next minute, he's living a different lifestyle like it never happened. Like the Word doesn't say this. He's controlled by old man mindset. And a lot of us do that from time to time. We hear the Word. We're happy to hear it. We gladly receive it, just like the sower soweth the seed. It said there that the seed went out there, and it, it was received with gladness. 
You hear the word, you receive it with gladness. That's great news. That's good news. And then it says, and the enemy comes after that word, not after you, but after the word, and it gets hot outside. And, and it says there that the heat is on, and it withers away because it doesn't have any root. Hmm. No root. We need root. How do you get roots established? You spend time with God. You spend time with him. So here we are as new creatures in Christ Jesus. Amen. Isn't that what it says that we're new creatures? That's right. But we're living in this world with an old mindset. Old man thinking. And that's not going to get it. We have to embrace what Jesus has made available to us. Old man thinking is controlled by the world's way of thinking. And the new man is controlled by the word of God. So a lot of times we have to overcome a lot of things in our lives. In other words, we have to come overcome the thinking of our education. Overcome the thinking of our friends. How many of you got relatives that don't agree with it the way you believe when it comes to things of God? Well, the Bible says, by Jesus' stripes I'm healed. Yeah, but that you still you need this. You better go get this. I know that's what the Bible says, but anybody here besides my family that way? Yeah. They don't even ask me no more. How about friends? You have friends that you just stay away from certain subjects? Yeah. Even church members. You listen and say, well, it's quite obvious they don't believe the same. I know, but, and, and where did this come from? We've been trained this way. For 25 years of my life, I was trained as an unbeliever in church. Went to church every week. Never missed. Sometimes I went every day, seriously, for years, every day. Can you imagine that? A church every day. I said, was that summertime? No, a whole school year. I was, went to Catholic school. We started off with mass every day. Yet, didn't believe. How'd that happen? So sometimes you can be in church. And not believe. The Bible goes on and it talks about here. It says in verse 12. It says blessed is the man. Say blessed is the man. That endureth temptation. Hey blessed is the man. That cheerfully endures the temptation. Or the lie of the devil. The lust of our own flesh. The, the, the unre- uh, uneasiness in our soul. Blessed is that man. For when he's tried, he shall receive, talking about receiving again, the crown of life. Not only do you receive what God's made available to you to take away the temptation, but you receive a crown of life, uh, a crown. Then say eternal life. This is different. You receive a crown of life. In other words, it's your merit badge. You got something. See this little patch right here? It's where I swam two miles nonstop. You get your little crown. Get the, you know, for whatever you went through. You endured it. And you did it cheerfully. Why? 
Scriptures, what the Word says. I want us to bring that out today because there's a, some things that we'll go over in a couple of weeks from now about how to replace the doubt with faith. How many of you know that, that we're not, uh, that doubt will come, keep coming to your front, st front steps every single day, all day long? I mean, it's a constant thing. The devil is relentless. He doesn't let up. Things on your best day will come against you. Things can be going great before the day's out. I guarantee the devil will show up. He'll be trying to come against you. You see, I said this last week. When we're tempted, the temptation only reveals where we are. It never reveals who we are. I want you to meditate on that a little bit. Temptation reveals our location. It never reveals who you really are. Temptation will never say, Dave Kemp, you are the son of the most high God, and I want you to doubt God. It won't come that way. It'll come, Dave, you know you're a scoundrel. You've been that way all your life. And this is what, you know, and, and it'll never come with that. It always come from a location of what you did wrong last. Never from where, who you really are. That needs to sink down inside. Temptation will never add to your faith. And it doesn't take away from your faith. It only reveals what kind of faith you've got. Where you are at this time. Has anybody ever been strong in an area of your life? And over a period of time, you found that it, you were tempted in that area? How did that happen? Well, it could very well be the fact that you left the gym and you hadn't been working out in that area. Huh? I mean, if you were one that, that was a runner and you, you, you always was out running every day, you did so many miles a day and you was running, 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 and then you took some time off from that and started working on some weights in the downstairs in the, in the basement or whatever. You were working out in the garage and you were doing that, but you weren't running anymore. How many of you know that you couldn't go out and just run like you did two years earlier? Why? Well, because you're not where you were. But at one time you were there. And we have to recognize that in our lives as individuals, that we may have been strong in something in a particular area, but now since you've not been working in that area, you've become weak. And we have to stay on top of it in order to receive. And so uh, there's some, some things about receiving uh, or replacing the doubt in your life uh, with faith. And the very first thing of all would be to know that God has it available for you. When you're being tempted, you're given the opportunity to walk in the grace of God. When you're being tempted... Always know that you're being given the opportunity to prove God's word. You hear me? That changes it already, doesn't it? Makes you want to just get up and say, well, bring it on, devil. But if you're looking at it and saying, I'm fixing to fall, I'm fixing to go under. Well, now, now you don't want that. But if you know that it's a temptation, you know it didn't come from God. So you just have to understand it's an opportunity to walk out the grace of God in my life. Revelation 3.20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him 
and he with me. Lord standing at our doorways, knocking. Will we answer the door? If a man hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in. The Lord's looking to have dinner with you. The Lord's looking to spend time with us. And he's there knocking on the doors of our hearts. And he's saying to us right now, look, you can be Martha if you want to. Or you can be Mary. It's your choice. Tomorrow's coming. And I've already told you through the word, he says, that tomorrow has got enough evil of its own. So when the evil of tomorrow comes, God's saying, I want you to be at peace. And in the midst of it, I'll have dinner with you. How many of you want that? I know I do. Because we know that things are going to happen. It just is. It rains on the just and the unjust. But we get to make the choice whether we're going to be distracted by all of it or we're going to sit at his feet. Amen? Every head bowed, eye closed, nobody looking around. You may be here this morning and you're having to deal with doubt about a particular area in your life right now. You've been wavering back and forth. You know what God's word says about it. But the temptation's been strong. I want to encourage you to get along with God and write it down. Get you a piece of paper. Get you a pen or a pencil. And take some time to go sit down and write out what the problem is. Just write it down on a piece of paper. And then, take it to the Lord. Take it to the Lord and say, Lord, this is, this is what I'm having to deal with here. And allow Holy Spirit to reveal to you what His Word says about that particular area. What does my Word say about that sickness? What does my Word say about that lack? What does my Word say about that unrest? What does my Word say about these things? And don't get up. Until it's settled. Don't get up. Until it's settled. You may get up from that table. Lord I don't understand what's going to happen. And all the outcome. But I trust you. I trust you. I don't know what tomorrow holds. But I trust you. At least then you get up in faith. And no longer be tormented. With the fear of tomorrow. Take the time. Lord I declare blessings upon the people today. Blessings of your word. Lord I thank you that they'll meditate upon your word. They'll spend time. They'll make time. To entertain. You. And not the thoughts. Of this world. Lord they become Mary's. And sit at your feet. And receive from you things that cannot be ever taken away from them. That they're not going to be easily distracted. And anxious. About daily events and problems and all the other. They're going to make sure that they're sitting at your feet. To receive. What you have already provided for us. In Jesus name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.